0: Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. good morning. Yes, it is good to have everybody here. Hey, Brian, it's good to have you back. Yeah. Thanks for bringing Craig. Or, Craig, did you bring Brian? He brought each other. We'll just go with that. Yeah. If you didn't meet Brian over there, it's Craig's brother in law. It's fantastic. Good to have you. He was here last week, so it's good to have you. Bob, brother Bob, is in the house. What a treat! What a treat. Found out last evening that you were here. How long are you here? We'll just like, are you here for a couple days? Just today? A half a day? Man. Did you drive or fly? You drove and you drove them back. God, oh, yeah, well, hey, there's a good excuse then just to swing on up here. Perfect. I like that. I like that. Well, it's good to have you. Thanks for joining us today. Um, As far as kids' church goes, there's kids' church teachers. Yes, they're all back there. Okay, there's one. All right, so perfect. So all the kids are excused to go off to kids' church, correct? Yes. People text me during worship and during service and stuff, and... I just got a text from Deborah that she's good to go, <laughs> a little while ago. <laughs> that's okay. No, that's nice. It's like, hey, who texted me? Like, I shouldn't be checking my text right before I preach, but that's okay. I know, I know huh? That's, I always wonder who's, you never, at least for me, because you know, I get a lot of phone calls as I'm driving, and I'm always wondering if there's somebody just calling me just to test me to see if I'll answer while I'm driving. <laughs> You do? You actually? No. Oh, I didn't think. so. <laughs> no, you don't. Like, <laughs> like, that's, like, yeah, I know she had me there. <laughs> but it's good to have Deborah. She's going to come up and share. I want to. Um, I invited her, and she because she's yeah. Is that clock broken? No. Yeah. Oh wait, no, we're good. I I was reading it wrong. Whoo! I need to get on the same page. I was thinking, are we starting at like before 10? No, it's half, It's almost 11 now. Good grief. We got to go. Come on up, Deborah. She, you just, shh, shh, shh. Uh, She's going to share about what is, the Lord is leading her to do this uh, soon, real soon, and she wants to share with us her church. Yeah. So please, share.
1: Fine.
0: Okay, can I get this you, Well, yeah, you need to. You, you just shut it off. I That's, just- it was on, and then you shut it off. Maybe my Steven bad. shut it off. And, yeah, go ahead. Now you're, now you're good.
1: Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going to Kenya. I know most of you guys, hopefully all of you guys, have received a letter from me. If you haven't received a letter from me about Kenya, it's because we don't have you on the church directory. So talk to Terry or I, and we'll get you on that. Um, yeah, so I'm going to Kenya. This is my Kenyan team. Um I was selected out of a lot of students to be on this team handpicked, and so I know I've, have I discussed this before? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I'll be leaving May 31st, which is actually a bit away, but I want to prepare and get like financial stuff out of the way so then I can start like going and um, actually diving deep into what the Lord is going to have me do. So can we go to that next slide? I love this. Our team is so fun. Um, the cool thing about it is our that guy in the middle. His name's D Gluck. He's one of my per, he's one of my favorite professors. His wife is next to him, and all of their kids are behind on the right side. All the students are on the uh, R. Left side. (laughs) Um, They're amazing. We literally are so much alike. It's crazy. All of them on the Enneagram, if you know the Enneagram, are type nines. So they love like just cohesiveness and how like people function and relationships. And then we're all quality time people. We love to just sit and talk, which is amazing because that's all we did on our retreat sit and talked and got to know each other. And so that's a little bit about our team. The next slide, where I'm going to go to, I'm going to Kipkaren, Kenya. It's a, it's a rural area where, like, no one is. I'll be, we'll be flying into Nairobi, which is that big black dot towards the bottom. And then the red is Kipkaren. I was so shocked. It's actually on the map. So it's about two hours from actual, like, big city. And um, they speak two languages there, Swahili and Kalijin. And Kalijin is a mother tongue um, for the people who live in Kipkaren, and so we're learning a little bit about that. So, like, hi in Swahili is Jambo, but then when we're ever in Kenya, or no, no Kipkaren, we want to say Chumge because that's kal- Kalijin for. Hi. And so we'll be kind of learning a bit of two languages, which is super fun because we only speak one here. I'm already learning Swahili um, from this awesome app called Duolingo. It's the best. If you guys ever want to learn a language, go use that. And so that's a little about that. What we'll be doing, we'll be Partnering with Living Room, we've already kind of got to know, like, who they are and what they do. It's pretty much just a healthcare facility in an organization at, in Kenya. And it started with one. It started with um, one in near Kipkaren, which we'll be at. And this gal ran into this guy under a, tr- under a tree, and he had HIV, And what they do in Kenya is if you have a terminal illness and your family can't afford to take care of you, they'll leave you somewhere to die. And so she saw this, and she's a nurse that actually went as a missionary to Kenya for this particular reason. She ended up running into this guy that had the same heart and the same vision. They came up with Living Room, and now they're internationally known but based out of Kenya, which is pretty amazing. We get to work out of their main um, facility there where we'll be, it's a hospice center, and is what their main goal is, and so we'll be working with children and caretakers, patients, all that type of stuff, who live there and stay there, and it's crazy because from my, one of my closest friends, she went there last year, and she's like, the amount of joy that this place has, even as a hospice, like, is amazing, and I can't wait to just go and experience what, like, pure joy is in, in a child who knows that their days are numbered or has hope for God to be restoring them, even with the terminal illness. And so I'm excited for that. We'll be cooking and cleaning and shadowing a chaplain there, which I'm pretty stoked about. Like, how do you navigate this world? Um, because it's so, it's so filled with life, but at the same time, people know, like, their days are are coming to an end. So I'm excited to talk to that guy. In Kipkaren, there's a boarding school academy that students go to. Boarding schools in Kenya, they work more like, it's boarding school half orphanage. And so most of the children are orphans that live there, but it's also a boarding school that parents send their children. Because of the school system in Kenya, it's not set up like here. It's miles like, they hardly have any schools, and it's miles and miles and miles that a kid has to walk or fly to or anything just to be in an elementary school. And so these children can't afford to walk back and forth, and so um, we'll be spending time with them. And then also in Kip Karen, we'll be doing home visits where people invite us to their home, and we just talk to them have some quality time, which our team loves, and um, just just understand, like, their heart and, and what's their worldview, what's their culture like, and how, how do they perceive us coming in, how do they um, perceive Christianity, what is, reli- what is religion like, what is a relationship like to them. And then we'll be spending uh, some other time fellowshipping, just hanging out with the kids. There's this one gal, and we saw her testimony, and she's like, I love when Americans come and sit with me. That's it. Just sitting. And I'm like, I can sit. I could do that all day. Love that. And so, and then worshiping our whole team, our Deglux family, they're all worshipers. Their children love worship. They write their own music, which is pretty insane. And then all of us students have some type of passion for worship or can play drums or bass or guitar or ukulele. And so, or seeing... And so we're literally going to go around just playing worship. But it's cool because they do worship differently. They don't have, like, a full band. It's just one person calls out a saying, and the rest repeat it. And then another person calls out a saying, and the rest repeat it. Even, like, three years old, they'll, like, call it out. And everyone just, it just is, like, beautiful. These, these videos we're seeing, and, and I can't wait to just be exposed to, to their culture. So the nitty-gritty, I have to get there somehow, and how I get there is by funding, and so the next slide is about my funding. In total, I estimate to to um, fund $4,200. That's everything included, flight, vaccines, all that type stuff. You saw in my letter only $3,000. That's for the global outreach part. That that's my flights, that's my room and board in Kenya, that's all my travel expenses, insurance, all that type stuff, and then that's two meals a day that they'll provide for us. The rest of the meals, we'll we'll either go without or go in town and eat or make it ourselves, go shopping, um, and make it ourselves. The next thing is my vaccines. This is a steep price. Um, Yeah, I don't really have, I don't really, I don't have medical insurance right now. And so that's where like this kind of comes and like shoots shoots me in the foot. So these are pretty hefty prices, especially the yellow fever. It's low, like we have a shortage globally of yellow fever. And so just for that one vaccine, it costs $240. And that's like on the lower scale. Um, And so all my vaccines will come out to 926 cents. Um, to the dot. And so then the other expenses like food, we have um, one day of debrief in Kenya where we go to a different place and just kind of reflect on our time there before we come back to America. Um, souvenirs, did I say that right? Souvenirs. Um, stuff to bring back for people, for friends, family, and then unforeseen expenses. Like there's so many things that I can like be like, I didn't think about that um, until I got there. I didn't know I needed a a net or something. I don't know if I'll need that, but maybe. And that stuff, I can get there and leave there because I won't need it back here in the U.S. And so um, my goal is to pack light. Um, The next slide is where I'm at in my expenses. Thankfully, I'm 54% funded when it comes to my global outreach funds. That's $3,000. So I have 1610 out of that, which is amazing. Um, I, I believe I'm the first to reach 50% on my team. Yeah, and that's to you guys in this room who has, who have given. And then my vaccines, I have 300. Dollars put away from people who um, are just giving me money, and I put that directly towards vaccines, and they've already heard that, that need of mine. So what's left? $2,290. I still need to raise to get there to, to Kenya. And um, so ways to partner with me is to go to um, our website, Global Outreach, for that $3,000. Um. What's 1610 minus 3000? Um, I can't do quick math. But, huh? Love that. 1490, for 1390, 1390. All right, appreciate y'all. So I have 1390 left on my, on my global outreach. The thing with that is that they have time limits. So praise the Lord. I was I didn't have to worry about my first $1000 being in our, on a certain time because I had I had that like within a month of me sending out la- letters. And so my next 1000 is due here in another month and then a thousand after that. But that's only again for that global outreach um, fee. And so you can partner with me if you have a card, you're like, I'm tech savvy, I can do this. That next slide, uh, Mike, has a link to... Can't read it, right, it's too light in here. Okay, so no worries, because I have letters that has all all, all this information on it. By mail, I have these cool little letters that I sent out. Can you see a little better? I have a letter that looks like this that doesn't have a name on it and then these cards inside of it that says hey how do you want part to with, partner with me by prayer financially um, cash check or card which card you can do that link by mail which would be this um, this letter comes with a cool little uh, already paid for envelope that you can put your check or cash in, and then it has my my letter that I wrote for what I'm doing, and partner with prayer, or give directly to me, yeah, because the vaccines stuff, or prayer, so prayer for p- provision, and prayer for spiritual warfare, like, since the semester started, actually since I was like, yes, I'm going on the Kenyan team. It's been hell. It really has been. Like, this semester has not been, like, too fun in the scope of, like, doing work and, like, battling, like, anxiety or these weird things that come up. I flushed my phone down the toilet. That cost a lot of money. It literally, it didn't drop in the toilet, guys. It literally flushed down the toilet. It was, cra- yeah, I had to go to Maine. It was a whole ordeal. They had to, like, take the whole toilet apart. It was crazy. <laughs> right. And so free of charge, too, because I'm a student at Jessup. So it's been it's been insane. Like, we've had, but praise the Lord, because some good stuff is happening at Jessup. We just had a worship night where 11 people say, um, accepted Christ to be their Savior. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, God, like, this is a reason why this stuff is happening, we're going to Kenya, like, I'm doing your work, and it's tough, it's, it's incredibly tough, but at the same time, like, God is so good, when you see his faithfulness, even through the hard times, it's like, okay, God, we can do this, we got this, like, the devil ain't gonna hold me back yet, and so, yeah, that's my spiel, but I hope you guys um, are willing to partner with me, or want help, two and a half weeks, Yeah, I don't know the exact date, and that's why I didn't put it back here, because we're wondering if we want to do two days or three days of a debrief before re-entering back into the States. But yeah, I have these with me, so if you lost yours, I don't know where that is, or I never got one and I'd like to support you, I have these with me, and I have extra of the envelopes that I've already paid for and the green envelopes too. If you're like, I don't need your letter, I already have it posted or something, I have those for you too. So come talk to me afterwards.
0: Amen. Amen. Any other quick <laughs> questions?
1: Kenya. Yeah, it's a it's a small little town out of Kipkaren. Yes. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. That's where it started. Mm-hmm job thanks
0: let's pray for her right now just reach out your hand and in the name of jesus father god we come to you and we invite you holy spirit to completely completely be involved in all of this not just for deborah's sake but for your kingdom's sake for this team's sake lord jesus that they would represent you and in representing you that you bring all the provisions that are needed pray for your protection over them we pray for your will to be done, that the kingdom would be presented, would be spread, that your love, your grace, your goodness through these young people who are so willing to go where you send them in the name of Jesus. Empower Deborah, fill Deborah with your spirit, and in Jesus' name. Oh, hold her steady through it. Amen. 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 Bless you, sweetie. Good job. Thank you. Well, good morning, good morning, praise the Lord. How are you doing today? Excellent. I'm going to get right into a a message because I I told you I I wanted to speak of um, in dealing with... uh, I think challenging, if if not challenging, but uh, kind of alarming, things that Jesus taught and and spoke in. When I say alarming, I'm like, "Wow, did Jesus really actually say that?" And and I I love uncovering the things that Jesus actually said, unwrapping them and 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 saying, "Wow, is this what he said? If it's what he said, is this, how did he mean it? What was he referring to it?" so many things are like wow that's really deep or that's extremely offensive or that's wow that's amazingly loving and i think that we as we delve into the kingdom teachings of jesus there's one that i want to uncover this morning and just i told you i wanted to talk about it and it's uh, so i'm going to make it as short as possible at the same time don't want to just Skim over it because it's it's really good teaching and understanding. Is I believe it's when we understand our childlike childlikeness that Jesus says for us to become Uh, in Mark chapter ten, starting in verse thirteen and fifteen. This is where he says this. He says, "And uh, Jesus, uh, they bringing the children to him, his disciples. This is one place, and this is why I chose this passage uh, or place in Scripture in Mark ten because he refers to it in Luke, I think it's in Luke 18 also. Hey, Kevin, you stuck around. Good to see you, bud. I'm glad you stayed. Good. Um, Mark says it in a little bit different light, and he he says this, and they, they referring to the disciples, the the disciples, the apostles as we know them, were bringing children to him. Well, I'm sorry, I I misspoke. They bringing, it it was people, the crowds, they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples then rebuked the people. They rebuked those the parents, uh, the uncles, the grandparents, the, the friends. that were. They rebuked them and said, Jesus doesn't have time for these children. And when Jesus saw it, basically that was their rebuke. If, you know, I'm, I'm implying that was their say, hey, Jesus doesn't have time. He's teaching us adults, remember? We're adults in the kingdom. We're the ones that really matter. Ah, Jesus kind of puts them in their place, obviously. And this is this is only one of two places that I can recall from Scripture that Jesus the words the wording that is 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 uh, or the adjective that's describing Jesus' um, emotion at the time is this is the only other place that I've seen it. One was when they, the the um, the religious people were um, uh, they they converted. A house of worship to a house of uh, business um, and it says so this is the other place it says he was indignant you guys know what indignant means correct he was po he was upset he was angry he was not happy and he was not happy with it wasn't he wasn't happy with the religious people who was he not happy with his disciples <laughs> his disciples He was upset with them. He was not happy with them because their their mindset was wrong. They were off in their thinking and he was upset with that. He was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. And I know that sounds like when we read that in so many different places or we hear of these things that, uh, that Jesus talks about, doesn't that sound like a soft thing that Jesus would say, let the children come to me, right? It sounds like it ought to be soft, but it wasn't soft. I don't think this was a soft-spoken word. This was a, hey, what are you doing? You are out of line. You need to let the children come to me. Let them come to me. And he was vocal about it, and he was very um, demonstrative, if you will. I think I kind of toned it down a little bit. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And truly I say to you. So man, he's like, hmm, like, oh yeah. Now I'm gonna zip it right back on you. So that I, I, I I've spoken before how I kinda like and I'm not a sadist, I like it when God really hits me where I need to be hit. I don't know why. I just know that I need it and I like it. It doesn't mean it's pleasant but I know I need it. And this is what happens. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. In other words, you won't even get in if you don't become like a child. So these children that you are turning away and telling them to go and be gone are the ones that I'm saying, if you don't become like them, you ain't getting in. Who do you think? has charge of who gets into his kingdom. I would say the king, right? The king has charge of who gets into his kingdom. A- am I wrong? I I know we in our in our popular cultural day, we want to say whoever gets in, whoever wants to get in gets in, right? Love wins. We're all going to get in, it's all going to be good. Well, I, that, oh man. Okay. I think the Holy Spirit just said for next week. Ding, 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 ding. There's two words that Jesus used. Two words that Jesus used. We're going to talk about it next week. Many and few. Many and few. I want us to d- uncover that. Because as we, as we d- delve into that, it's like, man, there's something that Jesus said. Many and few. I'll, let, let me go back to today. You guys with me today? Who's with me today? All right. Me too. I hear the Holy Spirit giving me, like, little phrases. And, I, and here's one that... And I, and I hear Him giving to, these to me when... You ever talk to yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, Sometimes, in my conversations with myself, they 're really good. I believe it 's a conversation between God and, and myself, and God interjects, and God intervenes, and God speaks into those conversations and sometimes they 're just me just and usually, it goes like this: What are you doing, stupid? <laughs> i 'm sorry if that but but it 's like that 's usually my conversation and, and one of the one of the ones I was having this week was um was was this is uh, started starting to think of spring's coming and spring I get this you know we call this thing called a spring fever we get like ah was, where that's why they call it spring cleaning because people get antsy about like oh the weather's nice i feel good i want to get out and do stuff i want to change some things i want to fix stuff i want to build this build that uh grow this grow that and you know so you start doing this i'm like oh my gosh i got overwhelmed with all the little things i got to do some of them are not little in my home i mean we need to still do our whole entire downstairs flooring and i want to do it with everything in me i want a patio in my backyard still that i wanted to do for about three years now there and there's stuff I need to, I need to paint my house, and like all these things started like oh. and and I, and and the, and, I, and I said to myself, well you you can't ever finish it if you don't ever start it stupid and it, why do I call myself stupid so many times? Is that a bad thing? Man, unanimous okay thank you. I received that. Um, we did get, we did get stuck on Proverbs chapter 30 with the boys this last week. That's where we finished off. Maybe why that, maybe that's why that word got stuck in my craw, if you will, because it was, it was the word, uh, at the, it's the sayings of, I I can't pronounce his name correctly, Agur, is that right? Anybody in the room know how to say Agur? Okay, we'll go with that. Yeah. Anyway, it starts off with Proverbs chapter 30, and he says, uh, surely I am more stupid than any other man on the planet. And so it's like, okay, that's maybe, maybe I should um, rethink that, right? Yes. All right. We'll go with that. But here's what, here's what the, actually the Holy Spirit said. It says, it says, finish what you start, but you can never finish what you don't ever start. So I believe that the Lord is really really saying some things to to myself personally is because there's you know the bible refers to the fool that starts something but doesn't finish it. So I think that there's there's but there's also the lazy bones that never start something for fear of never finishing it. So there's something that the holy spirit is saying for us in the work of God in God's work that he's saying Trust me in it, get involved in it, just get, in other words, get going in it, and I, I, will, I will give you and empower you to actually finish the work that I have started in you. And when he does that, I believe that that's when he, we start understanding who we actually are, talking about us being childlike. And you guys really, we understand that there's, there's a definitive distinction between childlikeness and childishness, correct? Did I say that word right? You guys okay over there? Okay. Well, the boys aren't over there, and you guys are giggling, so I'm like, uh oh, maybe it's that area. Yeah. And we understand that child likeness is 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 a is a uh, as I look at it in in when I look at my. And here's what I've discovered as I, as I watch my grandchildren grow and I watch them just enjoy life and get involved in life. There's something I'm, I'm seeing differently from a grandparent perspective than I saw in my children as from a father's perspective. And mostly simply because I believe that there's, there's a, a liberation in me to just enjoy them as opposed to seeing the need to father my children. And teach them and and develop them and and provide for them and, and and all the things and all the stresses and pressures to be a dad in this world are are immense but the the joy of being a grandparent are wow this is awesome <laughs> it's like i just can enjoy them and 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 so i'm noticing their the things in them that are that i didn't notice in my children and and um and it it is. It really is, and I think there's there's multiple reasons. Is you know, one, I was I was at work 12 to 14 hours a day when my children were at this age, that my grandchildren are at. So, being able to be present in their lives is also a factor. But um, I notice the childlikeness in them that is really beautiful and so amazing and so godlike. You know and I think of yes we know the truth that all of us are born into this world as sinners we're born into a sinful world as sinners and but there's this child likeness in a small child and an innocence and a and in where there's no guile there's no there's no corruption of the world and there's just this this trust in this I think it's a oneness with who they actually are and created to be, that they, they are actually that person. And then, yes, the corruption of the world. And, 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 and I, I don't know, have you, have you noticed something? <clears throat> These are little things that I've noticed. And, man, I really need to get to a message here. It's a really good one. But have you ever noticed that? The, <laughs> I almost think it's, it's comedic. That we as adults, we notice how our parents messed us up. Right? Nobody's agreeing with me? And yet at the same breath, we seem to overlook how we have messed up our children. We seem to think that we are the ones right in the middle doing it. Exactly right, what is wrong with us? Maybe because we just don't see it and I'm not saying but here's here's the thing is you know is is there something that we can interject into our children and to be the childlike person that that God has created them to be? I think it starts inside of us, wherever we're at in life, wherever we're at in life, whether we're a teenager, whether we're just in coming into this world of raising children, whether we're grandparents, wherever we're at, we could still become like children. As Jesus said for us to become, unless we become like a child, we will not enter the kingdom of God. And that place that God is wanting to bring us to is just knowing the father, Knowing who the Father is, and that really is the key to becoming childlike. Knowing who the Father is, Amen. It's uh, I think the key is our reception, our receiving God's grace, our receiving God's grace. Uh, and and Jesus tells a parable in Luke fifteen. You guys, uh, in Luke fifteen, there's three parables that Jesus tells. And he tells these three parables from a conversation that he has or that is being had with tax collectors or or, um, with the Pharisees and the scribes, grumbling. Starting in verse 1, I'm going to just read this first two verses and then I'm going to jump to the actual parable I want to share. It says, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. (laughs) I like that. Don't you like that? I like that tax collectors and sinners, even though I don't understand why Jesus always lumped tax collectors with sinners, maybe there's something to that. But I like the fact that sinners feel comfortable in the presence of Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm... Really, really grateful that sinners feel comfortable in his presence. So much so that they draw near to him. So on the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumble. They were grumbling against us, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So then he goes on to tell these three parables. So that's the premise. That's where he's coming from, is to tell these parables in response to the Pharisees' attitude, perspective towards those that are lost, those that are confused, those that are hurting, those that are even demonized, even demented, even trapped in their sin, those that are struggling. That's where he's coming from in telling these parables. That's why I always, when I talk about the you know, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the sheep, um, uh, correct? Yes, the parable of the sheep, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the lost son. You know, the parable of the lost sheep is always, is it's almost always taken out of, out of context, um, especially in this day, as Mike alluded to a little bit about worship music in this day and age, is all about me being the one that is that he'll leave the 99 for to go after. And that's not, that's not his intent at all in, in this teaching, is to you to understand how you are a special one. It's for you to understand that you need to see people as God sees them. And that's what it's about, is, is God's love. It's not about how you are lovable and likable. It's that God is loving. So he gets into this parable of the lost son, which is starting in verse 11. So let's go into it. I'm going to read it. Uh, it's simply, it's, it's a little bit lengthy. And I, I, I will get to the points as quickly as possible because it's really, these are really some good points. And, and we will get, um, I think, a, a good understanding by the, end, by the end of what we're, what Jesus wants to teach us about being childlike and what that really entails. It says and he said there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, "Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me." And he divided his property between them. Okay, see, you hear that right? Between them. So he gave his inheritance to both the brothers. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had took all all he had and took it on a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to be one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants, I just just Hold on to that wording for a second. Hold on. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran, and embraced, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But, before the, but, but the father said to his servants, Bring quickly. It's almost like, he, even in this parable, as Jesus is teaching this, he I, I like that the father's um, instant response isn't in response to what his son was saying but in response to him being his son. Kind of ignores what he's saying, but he, at the same time he doesn't. It says, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this Son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now the older, his older son, was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard the music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked asked what these meant. And he said to him, well, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. And refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. These many years I have served you. And I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Hmm. Didn't he just get all of his inheritance? Mm-hmm. But when his son's but when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes you killed the fatted calf for him and he said to him son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother was dead and is alive he was lost and is found Hmm. why does jesus tell these parables about the lost it's a quick question I just want, just a, just a thought that i wrote down and i want to ask it about it because and i kind of alluded to it earlier why does he tell these parables about the lost i'll answer <laughs> i know that's a deep question but um Amen. And it not only, and, and that's, that's really key to understand. Bosco said, well, we're all lost at one time. So what Jesus is conveying is a truth, a kingdom truth that we need to not forget. We must not forget and must understand and see it clearly is that in our lostness, God the Father came in to us. And he came to us and pulled us out, found us, restored us, redeemed us, and exchanged our lostness for his foundness. And we, if we don't remember that, if we forget and lose sight of that, we start becoming, because just remember the, the intent was to, his response was teaching these parables because of the attitude that the religious people have towards those who are struggling in life those who are lost those who are bound up in sin he said here's the attitude that you need to have if you start looking at people and you start judging people assessing people by what you think your rightness with god is you're off because isn't that what the older brother did so let me get back into to the... I want to first talk about the three things that are symbolized here because they're really key to understanding, I believe, us as a child of God. Knowing our place as a child of God. The three gifts from the Father, they symbolize what? First there's the robe that He was given. The robe symbolizes right standing with the Father. Righteousness. A, the best robe is His robe the best robe is his robe, not only does it clothe our nakedness, not only does it cover our shame and guilt and sin, but it puts on his rightness. And that's the best robe. That's why he refers to it as the best robe. There is no better than his right standing with God. There's nothing better than your right standing with God. Hello? Hello? And that's, that's key to understand because when we get there what, what, what gained his what, what did he do to get this robe? That's what I was trying to ask. <laughs> he came home. He simply turned around and came home. That's all he did. He did not earn it. In fact, if anything he did not deserve it. He squandered all of His father's blessings squandered them and yet the father still gives him the best robe why that's a good answer and that's that's something i think that a lot of us will say but it's not why why did he get the best robe it's really simple he was his son he was his child that's why he got it. He was a child of his. And then he gives them the ring. The ring represents, symbolizes what? Mm. Authority. Amen. Good. Power and authority that comes with, listen to this. Ah, move it, move it. Everybody doing okay? Praise the Lord. It's, a, it's, a good, it's really good stuff. Wait till we get to the shoes. That's, what I, that's actually what I want to get to, is simply the shoes. All I want to talk about this, this morning was the shoes, but we had to lay, lay a little bit of groundwork. The ring is the power and authority that comes with being a child who carries the Father's name. Amen? So there's significance in that, obviously, when we have the ring of Christ. And I'm not talking about a physical, actual ring, but it's, it's His name. His name has power and authority. The name of Jesus is not just a cute thing we say at the end of a prayer. It's invoking the name above all names and the power of all powers into our life, our prayer. Amen? So, and there's depth to each one of these, and that's why I just kind of really skimming over them but this third one which is really awesome is is the shoes or the sandals the sandals represent and symbolize what as a child this is awesome if you haven't seen this before which I think many of us have I'm going to show it to you real quick simply this is our rights our rights as a child of God the shoes the sandals symbolize the rights of a child of God because here's isn't this a real popular theme in a subject right now your human rights, hello, so let's talk about it. um let's talk about what the shoes so to to cover to uncover what how significant the shoes are, I think we need to go back and we need to discuss a couple things in scripture one, I don't know you guys remember the story of Ruth. everybody okay? Okay, people are leaving left and right. oh, goodness I, I, I haven't even said any offensive yet but it got stuff to go, people to do, places to go, people to see, right? Let's <clears throat> remember the story of Ruth, which is really awesome. Um, uh, talking about Boaz, the kinsman, kinsman redeemer. I want you to look at this verse. If you've never seen it before, I'm going to show it to you. Ruth chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning, listen to this, concerning redeeming and exchanging. Did you hear that? Concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, here's what you did. <clears throat> the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. How cool is that? And, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz... Buy it for yourself. He drew off his sandal. Remember, this is where Boaz came to the next in line kinsman redeemer, because of, of, of uh, Ruth and Naomi. And he said, "Now here, you could buy her property." And he says, "Well, uh, yeah, I want to do that." And he said, "Well, then you got to marry you got to na- marry um, Naomi, right? Is that right? Am I getting it right? Ruth, Ruth. Anyway, yeah, my, my brain's not there yet. So and so you got to marry Ruth. And so he said, and he says, "Well, I don't want to do that." Said, well, then you gotta let me be next in line as the redeemer, the kinsman redeemer. So he takes off his shoe. They they basically exchange shoes. That's pretty cool, huh? I don't know. We should we go? No, you don't want to trade shoes? Okay. All right. Good old handshake will work. Yeah. Okay. That works too. But there's significance in this and what Jesus is teaching and why Jesus actually said to the younger son, get him put some shoes on his feet, because what was he what was he referring to? He said, Now you have your rights are restored. Isn't this awesome? Because this is what Jesus is actually teaching us. Is that when when our shoes are removed, when we take off our shoes, you guys remember where there was a couple places in scripture where where shoes had to be taken off? Yeah, first one we know is in Exodus chapter 3, I believe, and Moses, he's he's wandering around and he comes up to the wilderness and says, hey, there's a burning bush, and it's interesting when you read the story, he looks over at the burning bush and he says, well, I think I'll go check out that burning bush. (laughs) It's, it's, It's really a funny situation. I don't know why, when you read the Bible, sometimes I read the Bible and I just laugh, like, this is really funny. Like, he looks over and hey, look at that burning bush. I think I'll go check it out. And then, the, then God says, well, since you turned to check out the burning bush, I'll have a conversation with you. But before you come up to me to talk to me at the burning bush, what do you have to do? You have to take off your shoes. Why? Because you're standing on holy ground. What was actually, trans, what was actually taking place there? Was it because this ground, if he took, didn't take off his shoes, is, they were going to melt or something? I always thought that was like, you know, Indiana Jones type stuff or something. But no, it's not. Here's what God is actually doing here. This is where I get start preaching. I'm going to preach for a minute or two. Okay? Because this is awesome. What God was actually saying is, is, Moses, you come to me to have a conversation. You must surrender your rights as a human so that I can now speak into your life. Because here's what happens. We get so much stuff even right now today in this room in this day we come to god with all of our demands and all of our rights and god says where where did you earn these rights <laughs> take off your shoes surrender your rights and i will give you rights as a child a child of god and let me just let me just back it up and say and, and, or jump on that and say do you think let me, let's ask a question whose rights do you think are better? Uh, no. Whose rights do you think have more weight, have more substance, and like you could get more done? Yours as a human or yours as a child of God? Just think about it. Just let it process and let it, let it, let it sit there for a minute. Let it get into your soul. Because where we stick with our shoes where we keep our sandals on we surrender the place of being a child I know that's deep and I want us to really think about places in our life why do you think it's so difficult to forgive somebody that's really really hurt you. I mean that's 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 actually inflicted pain and agony and suffering into your life. And God says you forgive them. Why do you think that's challenging and so difficult? It's because we we have our rights they hurt me and it's not right and it's about principle and they need to understand and they need to see how they wronged me it's my right to make sure they know that they are wrong do you do you hear that have you heard yourself think that feel that yes we have We have, and to be honest, we have. We stand on our rights. And all along, God is saying, take off your shoes, for you're standing on holy ground. You have no rights. I know we don't like to hear that. You might say, what do you even mean? What are you trying to say? What I really want us to hear, because in the other place, remember Joshua, Joshua came you know, God had told Joshua to, uh, uh, it was, it's in Joshua 5, and, and, and as, as Joshua was leading the army of Israel, and this was after all of the, um, those who had, <laughs> is, like again, it's funny places in scripture, God told Joshua to circumcise all the males who had been born in the wilderness and not been circumcised yet. He says, "Go circumcise then, and then come to, come and talk to me. And then when you come and talk to me, guess what you got to do? Take off your shoes, for you're standing on holy ground. Obey me, surrender your rights, and I will instill within you and on you the rights of a child of God that far outweigh and outmeasure your human rights." Now, let me just real quick say that those who I believe trust in God, those who actually have surrendered their rights as humans, (laughs) I know that's a weird conversation to have, and and maybe I need to elaborate a little bit more down the road, but those of us who have surrendered our rights as humans and then taken on His rights as a child, in other words, now I'm a child of God, and my right standing with God is in Him and in Christ Christ, We are the most active in human rights movements than any other organization, group, club on the planet. I will tell you that. Because why? Because I believe when God actually instills within His people, His character, His nature, His work, that God work gets done, not human work. And God work is way better, far exceeds human work. Amen? Amen? It actually sticks, it sustains, it keeps going. And that's why I know the work here at the salt mine is God work. Because humanly, it's impossible for us to do what we do, and God still does it every single week. It's God work. Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen. amen it's all in the same vein of what what he's talking about is that that our right standing with god in the robe and our authority and power with the ring and then now our rights as a child which again it comes down to a surrender of our own rights we have to do that first that has to take place that has to take place. In other words, he, it would look pretty goofy if you had two different shoes walking around. I think some of us as Christians, we don't even realize it, how goofy we look walking around with two, two different shoes. God's shoes and my shoes. Right? When we want to make it about my human rights and my... Uh, you're, 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 when, I, when I refer to that, I, and I know, man, I'm running out of time like really fast, so I'm just going to like read through the notes. Um do some research on what humanism is on your own time. If you haven't understood it, taken some time to look at it, do some research on what it is and what it entails and how it looks in our culture today, and you'll see it's identifying who we are as a society point on. And Christians ought to, need to, better be different. Because we're about God. We're not leaving God out of anything. Amen? Amen. Back to the two brothers real quick. Because here's, here's, here's what happens. The two brothers who misconstrue the Father's grace, which I'm pretty confident some of us do, or all of us do, to some extent. So I think if we get it as close as possible, as clear as possible, we'll be on the right page. So I think it starts with the benefits, right, or our rights as a child of God. When we get that right, God's grace is close. God's grace is close to our hearts and understanding what it actually means. What are they? It's these. It's two things. It sums up in two, two phrases. Actually, it says it in verse 31 of chapter 15. If you want to pop it back up there, Mike, that'd be, I'd be grateful. 31 of chapter 15 says this, And he said to him, this is what he says to the older son, And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. That is what you gain as a child of God. His presence and his provision. Really nothing more is needed. Because in his presence is where you're going to find that awesome joy of the lord in his presence is where we find a peace that goes deep into our heart into our soul that can't be explained in his presence is where we find the purpose of our life in his presence is where we find freedom freedom from the bondage of sin in his presence is where we find who we are hello in his presence when i'm looking at him i'm seeing The clarity of who I actually am if I see him misconstrued if I see God wrong how am I going to get me right hello and I know that's a tall task but let's look at God right and then we start getting close to who we are hello and his provision of course is all that is mine is yours how awesome is that there is no lack for the lord is my shepherd i shall not be in want there is no lack for those who trust him and who put their confidence their faith their trust in him and him alone because he has it all is in charge of it all owns it all is all sustains it all and he says all that is mine is yours as a child of god all that is mine is yours man doesn't that make sense it puts into light all the things that jesus taught about it's like why do you worry and fret about today and tomorrow look at the lilies of the field the birds of the air don't you see them just enjoying life do you think god cares about you more than them it's a rhetorical question do you think god cares about the birds and the flowers more than you did I ask, ask that wrong? You guys, you guys answered how I asked it, even though I asked it wrongly in my head. You guys are paying attention. Good job. Okay, let me read this last phrase and I'm going to pray. This is the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke this and there's going to be a question in this. Both of the brothers that Jesus is telling this parable about, they forget the truth about their father's love for them. So he's enlightening us how easy and simple that can be, even in the midst of a father, a loving father. And yes, there's, there's the depth into how that goes wrong and how that goes off when we feel entitled, that we deserve it and we, this is mine mine, and this was for me. It's all about me. Do re mi, me, me. And then the older brother who says, well, I find my identity in what I do, not in who I am. That also is all about me. So they forgot. So then it kind of comes to the question. This is a question that we're going to leave us with this morning. It says, if you knew, if you knew without any doubt, listen to this, without any doubt, God's acceptance of you as his child If you knew without any doubt God's acceptance of you as his child that was not based on how you behaved or how much you did, would that impact how you behave or how much you do? Ha! It's a trick question. A little bit. If you knew without any doubt God's acceptance of you as his child that was not based, in other words, it's only based on you being a child, but was not based on how you behaved or how much you did, would that impact how you behave or how much you do? A hundred percent it would. Have you ever tried to do stuff with the bondage and heaviness and the weight and the pressure of having to get it done within a certain time at a certain level. Yes, that's heavy. And I'm not like you know negating what life is about, but this is like this is this is about our our childlikeness with God. And I believe that when we without any doubt know and understand That I am a child of God, it liberates us and frees us to behave as a child of God. Not as a childish person, but a childlike person who's trusting God. It actually liberates us to where I don't put regulations and laws and rules on my life. That's why he says whoever lives like this is is outside of that law. Because I'm living at a law, living by a law within my heart, and it's about an intimate relationship with a loving God who is intently and intentionally doing things by His spirit inside of me, moving me in the right direction. and that is liberating. Hello, are you following with me? I know that's super deep and it's intense and it's like, but it's real. And, and then and then, Moving from a place of uh, w- when I when I ha- have the pressure of having to serve God or serve humanity, serve people, serve you know. Oh gosh, it gets deep. It gets deep within my spirit, and I know I'm over over time, but. Pressures of life. It started young, on, for each and every one of us, to measure up, to feel accepted, to be to be accepted. A real. And when we take that into our relationship with God, which we do, God is always at work. And this is really the good news. This is really the good news for us today. He's always at work revealing himself to us. Who he is. Who he actually is. We have we have tainted views of God. We have misconstrued conceptions about God. And when we get it right, we are free to serve Him. We are free to even enjoy the benefits and the blessings of His inheritance here on earth. That's really good news. So let's not forget, it's God who redeems through His Son, Jesus. Remember the principle of redeeming and exchanging. Let's not forget, it's God who redeems through His Son, Jesus. And it's us who exchange our junk for His treasures. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like a really good deal. The best deal ever offered to mankind is salvation through his son Jesus, grace through faith. Amen. Just simply take off our shoes and put his on. Give up your rights for the rights of a son of a daughter that's a good deal good deal amen let's pray father god we just thank you for your love for us again thank you for your mercy (laughs) your grace your kindness to each and every one of us in this room to our families and we ask by the mighty work and power of your Spirit that you move in us and through us. <laughs> you set us free. And by your Spirit reveal to us, let us know that we are your children. Reveal to us every single day this week. At one point, at one juncture during the day, just let each and every one of us know that we are a child of God. And we are loved by you. Set us free from our misconceptions and our misconstrued views of who you are, God, and reveal to us your goodness, your kindness, your love that's beyond what we can logically comprehend. So, Lord, we need your spirit to do it. We need you, Holy Spirit to uncover who you are through your Son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.